Welcome to the Braveyard. Today's guest is the incredibly charismatic Chris Sapphire from Netflix, The Circle. Known for his infectious energy, quick wit, and unapologetic authenticity, Chris Sapphire captured the hearts of viewers with his memorable journey on The Circle. From his hilarious one-liners to his genuine connections, Chris brought a unique flavor to the game that left us all wanting more. In today's episode, we're going to get to know the real Chris Sapphire, We dive into a little bit about his experience with religion. We talk about his experience in the circle and life beyond the screen and the lessons that he's learned along the way. So buckle up and get ready for this entertaining and insightful ride as we uncover the layers of Netflix's very own Chris Sapphire. Hi, Chris Sapphire. Hi, love. Thank you for having me. Sorry if I sound all congested. I don't know what's in here. I don't think I'm sick because I don't feel sick. But these last few days, I've been taking like Mucinex because I'm the green booger right now in the Mucinex commercial. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, what's funny is I actually recorded yesterday with Sammy from your season and she's so sick. The poor thing. She got through it. She's such a boss babe, but she's super sick. Oh, my love. I hope she feels better. I love Sammy with all my heart. One of the nicest people ever. She was actually here. I live in Dallas, Texas. She was here a few months ago. We had to meet up and have dinner. It was a blast. Oh, yeah. I think her little one got her sick. There were just little infectious germs at that age that touch and put everything into their mouth. Uh, it's so wild. That little children. My mom the other day was telling me that when she was little, she used to eat dirt. And I was like, what? She was like, I would make mud pies with my sister. We'd eat them. I'm like, uh. I don't think eating dirt is good. Doesn't that give you like pinworms or like booty worms? <laughs> Maybe it's good for the immune system. Who knows? My godmom's, um, my god grandmother used to eat coal, like coal you'd put in like a barbecue. Okay. I, I now I've heard of taking charcoal, like if you got a stomach issue Maybe or something like that. The same thing. I mean, she's pretty old and she's still alive. Maybe there's a secret to to eating charcoal. I I I don't want to taste it to be honest with you. <laughs> Same. Um. So me and you had a quick little chat, but there's a ton of buzz, and we both feel very strongly about it. So I wanted to quickly touch on it. But everything that's going with Dolly Parton right now, and her fabulous performance with her beautiful boobs out, and all of the media that she's getting because she wore a full cleavage outfit. I just want to start off by saying I think Dolly Parton at the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving halftime was genius. And another feather in the Dallas Cowboys' hat that she in some way co-signed them as America's team, which is their big uh, nickname, by wearing the famous Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit. And I know, I, I live in Dallas. I don't know much about football, but I know how huge the Cowboys are. I know that a lot of people are upset because, you know, what do they say? They hate us because they ain't us. hundred <laughs> percent. And if that ain't the truth, honestly, I feel like it's like unpatriotic for you guys to not love Dolly Parton. Isn't that like written into how America was developed? I grew up loving Dolly. My mom showed us the movie Nine to Five as children. I watched Steel Magnolias. Who doesn't like Dolly Parton? Somebody said it best the other day. There's like, there's two people you can't ever talk shit about. Dolly Parton, and I forgot who else they said, but she gives it money. It was Chelsea Handler, I think, wasn't it? I yes. think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Who was the other person? Do you remember that she said? I don't. I But I remember it was Dolly Parton. And I remember, I mean, I agree with 90% of the things Chelsea Handler says. I'm a big fan of her. But um, yeah, it's true. It's like, I swear to God, it's written in state law across America, like, must love Dolly Parton. She's like America's mascot. She's America's mascot. She's everything. She's open about all things. She donates money to causes. She gives millions of books to children. The woman helped fund the vaccine that saved so many lives out there, you know, during the height of COVID, whether you believe in it or not, whatever's going out there in the world. 
She supports LGBTQ. She supports like addiction and rehab. She's just an all around godsend. She's a living saint with big breasts. Fuck yeah, she has big, beautiful, perfect breasts. And you know what? She spent some money on those things. And if she can't show them off, then I think that's a crime. I think she's phenomenal. God bless her. And and look, she even has her own theme park that employs a lot of folks from her town or where she grew up, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the woman is a saint. Y'all leave Dolly Parton alone. Y'all leave Dolly (laughs) alone. It's in the Constitution. Look it up. Um, jumping on to your favorite thing, which is also my favorite thing, which is food. When did your love for food become so profound? I think ever since I popped out of the womb in my little red glittery pumps. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this. When I was a little boy, I used to be very husky and I wore husky jeans and we would go shopping. I'd have to shop in the husky aisle. And I had no idea about looks or fashion at that age. I was innocent and just loving life. And part of that love was loving food. I would sit with a big pan full of hamburger helper and a massive loaf of bread. And I would use the bread slices as tortillas, grab hamburger helper and just go to town with not even a care or thought about calories, carbs, sugar, salt, none of that shit. I have loved food since I was a kid. Every Thursday, my dad would take me to my favorite Mexican restaurant that doesn't exist no more. And I would eat chips and salsa. That's where my love of spiciness came from. And get this. When we would go to McDonald's, they'd be like, what do you want to eat? I said, I want two Big Macs, a large French fry, 20 chicken nuggets, a McFlurry, and an apple pie for good luck. And I would eat it all. And once I was done eating that, I would dig at my cousin's and my aunt's fries and just keep eating some more. I freaking love food to this day. And to this day, I still (laughs) wake up excited to eat. I think about what I'm going to eat and I go to sleep hungry every night because now as an adult, you know, I have to watch my weight and my health and everything. But in a perfect place between you and I, Courtney, um, I hope in heaven we're able to eat whatever we want and not have to worry about no shit ever again. Oh my God, me too. And same, honestly, (laughs) McDonald's is a rare treat for me now. But when I do, that's basically my order. Except instead of Big Macs, it's double cheeseburgers with extra everything. Aren't they the best? Even their dollar menu, like when you're drunk. Oh, so good. And I want it to stop being so good, but I just don't think it's going to. It's, it's McDonald's. They have, they've figured it out on what that they can do. And you know, it's not good for you. You know, when you're walking in there, you have your head a little bit lower and you're making sure you don't know anyone or you're going through the drive through But fuck, it's so good when you need it. Well, for me, I was sad whenever it, I think it became a law that all fast food joints now, ha- now had to show how many calories are inside of all your meals. I don't think any of us were going to a fast food joint in hopes of like, I'm here to be healthy. No. It was denial at its best, you know? Do you remember when they had salads and McDonald's came out with salads and I was like, why? And they were the same calorie as a Big Mac. And I was like, come on, this is just... I I do. I remember they would come in a cup, a clear cup, and you would (laughs) shake them up. Yeah, it's like the Kardashians now, but, um, you know, McDonald's style. Oh, it was incredible. And it's true. If you look at a salad, it's basically a chicken sandwich or a burger or whatever without the two buns, unless you're putting croutons into it, then it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm going to call salads from now on. Just deconstructed chicken burgers. (laughs) It's what it is. Um, speaking of things that you grew up with, I, uh, heard in an interview somewhere where you talked about something, I might not pronounce this right, but you talked about Oho, which is, I think, a spiritual thing that you do with your elders and an egg. Can you elaborate <laughs> on this? Cause I feel like I, I grew up indigenous, so we have something kind of similar called smudging, which we do with sage, but I feel ah. like it's kind of the same concept as Oho, which is like cleansing ritual, right? Well, the, yes, it's it's similar in, in a sense that, well, Oho is this thing 
that I don't know where it originated from, but it's prominent in the Latin culture where if someone or if you feel yourself that someone's giving you the bad eye or some kind of bad juju vibes, they rub you down with an egg and pray Christian prayers over you. And then when they're done with their prayers, they crack the egg in some water and supposedly the egg would have absorbed whatever the juju was and it showcases something. I still don't know what they're looking for when they look into the the cup with the egg in it now. Uh, But I will say this. I have felt so much better instantly after having that performed on me. I, because I believe in God, maybe it's the praying over somebody. You know, God speaks of praying over people and he'll heal through them. Hmm. And it has to be something because I will say this. I've I've had headaches. I, I have felt nauseated. I have felt like puking. And then they rub me down for all hold. They say that I have it. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I feel better. I don't believe it's the power of what is it, persuasion or the placebo effect. I really don't because I really felt like shit. Then they do that to me and then it goes away. And I'm like, um, really? <laughs> it's similar. I think there's something mental going through something like that too, though, because when you get smudged, um, normally it's an elder doing it to you as well and you burn sage and you cleanse the person of it and you do, you feel like a relief. You feel like you've had something that has moved past you now and is not, you're no longer caring. But yes. it's, I feel like it's the same concept in, you know, spirituality and Christianity and this is kind of something that I want to talk to you about because growing up indigenous, um, I, I'm mixed race. So my mom was a white, my dad's side was indigenous. So I was baptized in a Christian church with my mom yes. and went to church with my mom. And then through school, um, went through more of my spirituality, um, with my indigenous elders. And so I took a lot more at that point in time of my life from spirituality because it wasn't determining who I was or excluding anybody. It was everyone was included. You're all, you know, a part of nature. And the church that I was with, it was still very much rooted in Christianity that excludes, um, you know, gay people and, you know, people that are suffering from addiction and mental health issues and all this stuff. So I saw exclusion in the Christian environment that I was raised in. And with my elders, I saw a lot more of like spirituality and healing, accepting of LGBTQ people, um, you know, referred to as two spirit and loving the earth and nature and animals. And I took to that a lot more. And you had said that Christianity had saved your life. And so I feel like while there are similarities, I would love to touch on Christianity and how you find your own spirituality and your own religion through something that we do have an extremist view from that is very exclusionary to us. Yes. And I mean, I could talk about this for days. For me, I, well, to begin at the beginning, it came into my life at a very dark period. I was being bullied really badly by grown adults on the bus, the train. Uh, I'd be followed to school, la, 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 la. And after experiencing so much bullying, and mental harassment that one day I came home and I thought about taking my life. And fortunately, there was a book on my bed that I opened at the right time. And it spoke to me in such a way that opened my eyes and got me so intrigued that I was like, wait, this is what it what it's about to believe in God. Because mind you, I was raised Catholic, but I never really listened at church. Honey, I was waiting to run home and play. I thought church was so boring. And when that book came into my life, it hooked me. And it was the catalyst that opened the door for me searching and walking that walk with what it is to be a believer in Christ. And the Lord and the God that I've learned about since that is not the one that I hear about out in the world that people use as a weapon or people use against others. Or they try to create a hierarchy where we're better up here and you're lower down there. It doesn't work that way. For me, the Christian message is clear. It's simple. Love God with all your heart and love others. Those are the two commandments that sum up all of Christianity. When they ask God, Christ, what is all this about? He told us that. 
I leave you with two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others. And it also teaches in the New Testament that you can be a giver. You can be the best human being in the world. You can do everything so perfectly right. But if you don't have love in your heart, all of that is futile and useless, and it's just a big show. And it talks about people that use Christianity as a show of piety and I'm so wonderful that they already have the reward. Basically, it's saying you ain't getting no reward. Mm -hmm. Christianity is a religion and a faith. Well, religion aside, it is a walk with God that is a gift. It is a gift that you accept. It is a gift of atonement, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of grace. And who doesn't like gifts, you know? When people get too deep into the religion side of it, that's all the man-made pop and circumstance of how they like to worship God. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the biblical version of what it is to walk with God, take life day at a time, your sins are forgiven if you believe in me, even to the size of a little mustard seed, all the beautiful promises of God's help, intervention, uh, providence, sovereignty over your life are yes. And he will help you because he dwells in you, around you, and it transforms you from the inside out and it changes your worldview of how you see the world, how you see people, how you react to situations in life. And that's how it changed my life. It taught me how to see everything. You see, when I was being bullied, my worldview was being skewed by the lies I was being told. Oh, you're, a, you're, a, you're the F word. You ain't shit. People touching me, trying to beat me up stuff that makes you go dark inside and the mind without a compass can believe anything, you know? And that's what makes the word of God so powerful that it is like a compass. Jesus claimed to be the truth, the way, the life, that there is no other way to God except through him. And so for somebody to give such a huge claim, it kind of makes you go, hold on, tell me more. How could you call yourself that? These are too big of claims, you know, for just any normal people out there to be like, that's right. you know. Mm -hmm. And so... It opens your eyes to go, hold on, let me not just disregard this whole Jesus thing. Let me take a peek into this and what this is all about and why it survived for more than 2,000 years. Because I'm a truth seeker and I, I want to know what's true. How do I know this is true and not Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny or whatever? So for the last few years since the circle, I've, I've uh, gotten deeper into my research and learning about the origins of all this. And when you go down those rabbit holes, it gets even more mind-blowingly interesting. For a quick fact that one of the people that wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament, which are letters, was a guy named Paul, and Paul was murdering Christians. He hated the whole Christian movement. You got to keep in mind that people who wrote the New Testament were heavily Jewish people that were already, in their mind, God's chosen people. Worshiping a man, claiming to be God is idolatry, which is a huge no-no in the Jewish faith. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you know, God punishes anything or anybody who worships something besides him. And so to just give up your spot as God's chosen people and start following this man, something very supernatural must have been going on. There's a part in the New Testament where when Jesus is being held up to trial and they're like, how dare you claim to be God? This is blasphemy. You're possessed by the devil. You're healing through the power of Satan and all this. They were accusing him to be a demon. Um, he goes, if you don't believe me, uh, basically saying to all the church elders that are accusing him of all this stuff, he goes, you know, that's fine. You can call me all this you want, but believe the works that I'm doing. These miracles are to show you exactly who I am. And if you claim to be so pious and all these things that you're so religious, you would know exactly who's standing right in front of you, but you don't. And so, it, I mean, it just gets so, so mind blowing. Going back to Paul. He was murdering the Christians. He wanted the mo movement squashed because he is a, a, a prominent Jew at the time. And then one day as he's walking to a town, he receives this whoa vision that blinded him and changed his life so radically in that moment that he goes on to write most of the New Testament, got confirmation with the other followers of Christ, the apostles at that time that what he was spreading was actually what they were spreading too. So they were all getting this supernatural revelation at the same time. And it's too many players involved in the New Testament, too many figures for it to have been a lie, a conspiracy, all of them getting together to just make up something that would give them no benefit at all. They didn't get rich. They didn't get famous. They didn't get sex. 
They didn't get nothing but persecution, uh, exiled from their own faith that they grew up into, uh, poverty, out wandering, preaching stuff to people that were wanting to kill them, stone them. There was no benefit, yet they all went to their death and they all died horrible deaths, except one of them, um, proclaiming this message that never broke. The chain of custody never broke all into the first century, into the second century, into the third. And so when you start learning the history of this faith, it is mind blowing. It is life transforming. And the more you know, the more you can tune out all the conspiracy theories and nonsense that's out on YouTube that so many people fall into those traps like, all this was made at the Council of Nicaea. No, actually, the message was already intact by the first, the end of the first century. And we know that because the apostles had students and the students that learned from them carried on the message. And those messages that they carried on, quote, what we call the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John from the uh, mid to latest first century. And I, as a, again, I could talk about this more and more and more. No, but, but it's so interesting. I feel like I, you know, a lot of religion for a lot of people that I grew up with was like surface level. Yes. Um, and, you know, I still think that religion, if it's something that is utilized for community, is something that's beautiful. And that's why I had respect for the Christian church that I did grow up on, because at that time, my mom was a single mom. And while I don't know, I mean, my mom calls herself a Christian. I don't know if I'd call her a practicing Christian <laughs> between you and I, but she picks and chooses when she pulls that card. But what it did give her at that time in her life was community as a single mom and support yeah. with food and support for her mentally with people that were there for her and helped out in childcare and helped facilitate opportunities. And, you know, she made connections and friendships that were of great value to her. So for me, religion, whether that was Christianity or any other religion, it was bringing together a group of people that were supporting each other. And I found beauty in that. Do yeah, I think I that everyone that doesn't believe in God is going to be punished? Probably not. Personally, I think everyone should be allowed to practice whatever religion and faith they feel in their heart is theirs or they're raised with or, you know, as part of their community. But I think as soon as exclusion comes into conversation regarding religion, that's where the problematic conversation begins because all of a sudden you're creating separation between people. Well, and, and you, you make a very great, great point. There is a great verse in the New Testament that says, beware of those that cause division and look at the world we're living in today and how many prominent people are using Christianity as a weapon to cause division, you know? And that's not how this is supposed to go. You got to keep in mind that when the gospel was being spread in the early first century, a lot of folks were atheists. <laughs> they mm -hmm. had never heard this message before. And the and the the commission wasn't to just stay in a bubble and keep this to yourself as some some treasure or like this revelation that only we can know. It was to go spread it to the entire world, which therefore tells you, welcome the atheist. Welcome somebody who walks a different path in life. Welcome everybody. And our only job in this world is to live in such a way that people are like, what is that that they got? I want that. And then you tell them, well, this is how it is. This is how I think. This is what I've learned. This is how it shapes my life. And it changes you from the inside out. And it's a wonderful thing. It says feed the poor, you know, clothe the poor, feed the hungry, feed the poor, welcome the immigrant. All this stuff that you don't see going on today. That's Come why on. I firmly say the, the, the message that I'm seeing out there is not the one that saved my life. And so it gives me joy to spread my point of view from my walk in this world because I see people suffering. I, when I'm out at the club, people are like, oh, you should be at church. No, honey, go to the club. I mean, go to church, yes. If you'd like to and you feel that feeling, go to church. But for me, I find it more beneficial and more efficient to go to where people are that may be hurting. And yes, yeah, some are hurting at church and that's fine. But go out into the world 
where people may be at a bar drinking their sorrows, just lost. And words are so powerful. You never know what sentence you may say. They may create an aha moment that makes them go, oh my God, there's hope, you know? And when I'm out there, I see it. I see old friends of mine who are now on drugs and prostitution. I see people drinking their sorrows away. And so some of my friends call me a patio preacher. I don't impose my worldview on nobody. But if anyone ever would like to know more, my door is always open. And I would love to share whatever has helped me and hope that it can help them because I hate seeing people suffer. I really, really do. I hate when people can't pay their bills. I hate seeing homelessness. I hate people being excluded from others. Mm -hmm. It's just bullying in another form and it's ugly, you know? When I was growing up as a kid, mom always taught us to be friends with all the children, whatever color they were, whatever, if they were uh, handicapped, whatever was going on, you be nice to everybody. And I learned <laughs> growing up, I learned the hard way too, that words are powerful. And so I want to live in a place in a space where everyone's welcome to the barbecue because the God that saved my life is that God. Everyone come, get a taste, see that I am good. Even if your faith is so small, it can still move mountains. I mean, it's an invitation to something that is so big. And I think people should peek into it. You know, so many folks are out here trying to find healing through things that are fleeting. Alcohol's not going to heal you. It's going to make shit worse. Drugs aren't going to heal. It's going to make shit worse. You know, sex ain't going to do shit, but give you a few minutes of pleasure. But it ain't going to heal the problem. Clothes, that's all the outside shit, you know? Everyone needs to heal their inside before you can enjoy anything on the outside. Totally. And we'll be right back. Patio <laughs> Preacher, I love that you're just going to be like a pastor at a nightclub one day. I, you know, I love talking to folks about it. And the people listen to, we're out there having drinks, honey. It's when it gets real deep and they want to know things. And I'm like, well, look, this is what I know. This is what it can do for you. And all it just takes is just seeking it and it'll come to you. And okay. that's it. Yeah. yeah. No. That night that you um, talk about finding the book, was that you actually finding the Bible or was it a book that led you towards Christianity? No, it was a book written by these uh, two men. And um, it, it's very simple. And it, it basically was teaching me how to apply the word of God. And mind you, at that time, I hadn't read any like <laughs> really any Bible verses or anything. And so as I started seeing these verses, like, don't fear for I am with you always. I'm like, what? what is this? <laughs> or like, I will help you with what you're going to say when you need to say it. And I was like, hold up. This is really good stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, and I apply it to this day. That's what helps me get through so many big moments in my life. I think without God, I wouldn't have done shit in my life, but probably been crazy or dead. It has really given me a courage that I don't get on my own. And so when people are out there talking about, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, glory, all this, I go, I get it. I know it sounds cheesy, but I get it because I draw strength from something that is not me. It is from beyond. And that's why on the circle, I called it Godfidence because without God, I ain't got no freaking nothing. I'm just mm -hmm. here in this world. And if there was no God, let's just think theoretically. What's the meaning to this freaking world? It's all relative. Whatever's true for you would maybe not be true for me. And we're all just living in some kind of relative world that, I don't know, what makes sense? Totally. And it, that's what's beautiful is that we all get to have our own experience. <laughs> and again, like when it comes to religion, I think that what you take away from it is absolutely beautiful. And, yes. you know, I'm not probably going to convert to Christianity again um, <laughs> tomorrow. But right. <laughs> I think that what it does for you and what you preach is so beautiful. And I think that that's what the message of religion should be rooted in is guiding people towards a better version of themselves and others. Oh, yes. And oh, I agree. what's happening in politics with religion oh. is where you start to see religion weaponized. So Yes. With so much youth seeing specifically Christianity in the States being used to weaponize young trans and LGBTQ kids, to yes. any Christian LGBTQ kids that are out there right now listening, feeling defeated by their religion or 
feeling targeted by it, what's your advice to them to continue their path forward? I would say if you're curious to know about all this that I am talking about, open open the New Testament and start reading for yourself. Even if it's just a few chapters a day, there is some verses in there, y'all, that talk about eunuchs and how eunuchs were welcomed into, you know, the church. And if you think about what a eunuch was, honey, I mean, eunuchs, and in the book, it talks about some people were born eunuchs. Some people were, you know, chose to become a eunuch and some people, la, 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 but it has to all do with eunuchs. And I go, wow, when I stumbled across that, I said, wait, look at this here. You don't hear a lot of people talking about that one out there, but what it's saying is that even a person that has chosen to, their goodies down there, are, are welcome into this whole thing, you know? And, oh my goodness, I mean, I say welcome. God is love. God loves all of us. And I always tell everybody too out there, I said, one of the greatest verses says that God loved the world while we were sinners, that he came to the world to atone for humanity. And he loves us even more now that he's atoned for humanity. So for all of our mistakes in this world, whatever they may be, you know, because none of us are perfect. We all go through shit. And so if God loves us that much, my gosh, like he says in the book, taste, taste and see that God is good. Go have a taste, honey. If it's calling to you, go get you a big slice. And I hope it changes your life the way it did for me because it's been incredible. I, I'm not a saint and I sure as heck ain't perfect, but it gives me peace. And I think in a world where we're all seeking that, I think go test it out. You know, I love that. I love how much love you preach. Like, it's just everything you say has so much passion for empathy. And that's why I just I'm so drawn to you in all of our conversations and you as a person is just your approach at empathetic and compassionate care for others through your conversation style and how you show up for everybody, you know, not just LGBTQ people, but everyone to be the best version of themselves and to take their mental health seriously because that's it is a struggle specifically in the LGBTQ community and our youth when you look at the staggering numbers of depression and anxiety, which both of us have suffered from and yeah. you know bullying and harassment. I feel like we need to have those cheerleaders at the front lines right now showing them that there is a brighter tomorrow and it is just you know one foot in front of another and it might be a bit of a dark time right now. Because social media is everywhere. Everything's mediatized. We can't escape it. You know, you go into Safeway now. I don't know if you have Safeway in the States. It's like a grocery store. But I think we do somewhere. <laughs> but you go in and now there's TVs up there. You know, you walk into Whole Foods and there's monitors and screens and news and shit playing everywhere. Like, there's just, you don't really get a break from it. And I feel like having voices like yours and people that do preach what you preach, which is love at the end of the day, it's love and compassion and respect is so, so important. And I always just take away so much from our chats, but I'm going to switch pace a little bit away from religion and touch on the experience that kind of blew you out of the water, which is the circle. (laughs) How was it going on? Because did you know that you could possibly be the only queer person? I mean, in a lot of reality TV, we've got like kind of a token gay. Did you feel like you were nervous going into it? Was it going to be LGBTQ friendly? Was that approached at all? I had no idea what I was getting myself into. (laughs) All I know is Alyssa Edwards called me one afternoon and said, Chris, there is a new show called The Circle coming out. You've been on social media your whole career. I think you'd be great for it. They're going to call you in 20 minutes to the loo. And she hung up the phone. Oh, my the- God. I didn't know that's how this happened. Yeah, because I had made an appearance on her reality show, uh, Dancing, Dancing Queen, Queen, before The Circle, because yeah. we're good friends. And I had known her for years since I was 18 years old and I'm 35 now, but I get the call. And mind you, I had auditioned for many reality shows in the past and I already knew how this went. And really, I went into this with that spirit. Like, I've done this so many times, these auditions. Let's just see where this one goes, honey. And I kept getting a call back and a call back and a call back. 
And so finally they flew my ass to Manchester. I'm over there being a tourist for two weeks. And then that Thursday to my second week over there is when I was told I made it on the show. And the chaperone that I was appointed was going nuts. He couldn't believe it. And unbeknownst to me, I had no clue that I was still in the running, that it wasn't a for sure thing. I thought, well, shit, if you're going to fly me all the way to Manchester, I must be on this show. When do we start filming? Oh, Lord, geez. They told me that I would be opening the show to figure out what I was going to wear. And P.S., those outfits are real. Those aren't costumes. I really wear clothes like that in the world. And I wore my leopard print blazer and I said, boom, Shaka, here and we you go. you look fantastic. Let's be fucking Thank honest. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just, I showed up as I knew myself at that time. Uh, and I was like, let's, let's go. And I applied my life skills, my faith. I applied everything that is me to get me through that whole experience. Did I have any idea it was going to become a global phenomenon the way it did? No, none of us did. We got back to the States after filming. It was our biggest secret. It premiered January 2020. And instantly, instantly overnight, I remember being at Alyssa's New Year part, New Year's party. The Circle debuted that night. I said, I'll watch it when I get a chance when I get home. I start noticing Instagram. What? Zary's the same on? thing. Yes, instantly. And so then I, I, I get a chance to watch it. We're watching it. My phone is blowing up on Twitter. Every single avenue out there was blowing up. I get to 10,000 followers and me and my mom are like screaming like, this is so cool. How exciting because I left the circle to the circle with like 4,000 something followers. And that's fine. I, I wasn't really in that space of like followers means you're something. No, yeah. it was just like, whoa, I can't believe people give a shit to even want to follow me, you know? And after 10,000, it just boom. And my God, I knew something had happened when we walked into CVS and these girls were like, <laughs> they couldn't believe I was in there. And that just kept happening everywhere until this very day. Until this very freaking day. And mind you, I was on the show years ago. Till this day, I could be out at the club. I could be at a restaurant. I could be at the airport anywhere. And people will come up and be like, oh, my God. And I'm like, wow. I think that'll be the really... rest of your life because you were such a lasting energy on that show. And it's funny because you and Sammy were my two favorites. And, you know, you're both LGBTQ people that were very Thank open you. and proud on the show. but you were my favorites because of how you just showed up. And I just fell in love with both of you and your personalities on the show so quickly. And now I get to interview both of you, which is, it's wild and it's so fun. And now getting to know both of you on a personal level has been such an honor because you're, it's no, almost like impossible to fathom that you're better people than you appeared on that show, but you are, you're just <laughs> both such great energies and you're so loving and I'm, I feel like that would be the rest of your life. You'll walk in places and they'll be like, holy fuck, it's Chris. <laughs> oh, my you God, know? honey. I, I receive all the goodness, all the goodness. I always tell folks I don't ever want to block a blessing. And I thank you for all your kind words and for having us on your show. And I love Sammy with all my heart, too. She's so freaking dope. And um, yeah, uh, it has just been the gift that keeps giving. I... Every year when a new season comes out, it's just so surreal to look back and go, wow, you're a part of this whole thing. When I saw the Spice Girls on there, I said, are you kidding? Me and the Spice Girls are part of the same franchise. <laughs> We've somehow <laughs> intersected somehow. Right. I'm like, wow. And uh, that blew my Cho, mind, too. I was like, what the fuck? The Spice Girls are on here. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me say it was so mind blowing. I told Alyssa, not Edwards, but the Alyssa that got to meet the Spice Girls, I said, girl, I would have cried. Like, I was such, I am such a massive Spice Girls fan. Same. But, yeah, it, every year, fortunately, Netflix throws, uh, what the people that are working with Netflix, they throw, like, a reunion party, and we all fly to L.A., whoever can at the time, and we all get to meet the new cast and all the previous cast. We're all there partying, drinking, like a huge family, and it's just so fun. I, I cheer them on when I'm watching them on their seasons. 
And here they were so happy to meet us because they saw us on season one. So it's just this big old love fest. I love and that. We, and we give each other insights on like career wisdom and business wisdom and don't get this agent, do this. And I just, it's, it's a blessing. And it's a family. I'm just really, yeah. And I think we're all stuck together like glue with this forever. It's mm-hmm. something that I would cherish forever. I have a massive poster in my room with all these moments from the circle. And I go, wow, when people look at pop culture history, the year of the big pandemic, global pandemic 2020, mm-hmm. what was on TV, boom. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I mean, what a good time for Netflix to have, you know, at the time was an experimental show for them yes. to come out because everyone was inside and craving new, authentic forms of entertainment and then out comes the circle which was just like the perfect catalyst and moment but the show itself i just i've absolutely fallen in love with we're in communication with some other people from the show that i can't share yet because we're not completely booked in but every person i've talked to i'm just in like complete admiration they're all just such beautiful individuals i'm like yes it's the casting call literally like hi i'm the best fucking person you're going to meet and i'm super <laughs> kind and love everybody <laughs> cuz you're all just you're all absolutely amazing and i love the circle i'm a big fan Thank you'll be you. on it one day who knows yeah hey they just you never know two more seasons you never know i yeah. tell folks out there take that chance honey Take what that did Brizzle say back then? Take a chance, get messy, make mistakes. Do that. Do it. Speaking of Do getting it. messy, you uh, are really good friends with Alyssa Edwards. And I watched yes. that clip of you on Dancing Queen where Alyssa's moving out of the gayborhood. And it's just a bit of a frantic scenario. And is that how Alyssa always is? Because you see Alyssa, obviously, in Drag Race, and it's a frantic, beautiful hurricane of Alyssa Edwards. Is that just Alyssa Edwards in a nutshell? Like, constantly Energizer Bunny, go, go, go? A hundred million percent, yes. This human being, even for me, is an enigma. (laughs) When I am around Alyssa Edwards, I am fascinated by the amount of energy this human being possesses, comedic timing, gift the gab. This human is so out there. It is, she is a shiny superstar for a reason. <laughs> totally. And just hilarious. Everything that she does is just, it's so fucking funny. Like comedic timing to something you cannot it, teach. It's just naturally born into her. She has all of that. And there were many times that it would be around three in the morning and my phone would go off. Christina. Hello, guests. What are you doing, girl? Girl, I'm here. Come over to the house. I got a bottle of wine. (laughs) Okay, girl, I'm coming. It'd be like three in the morning. I get to the house or the apartment, wherever she was at at the time. We'd bust open a bottle and we would just go down so many roads of wonderful conversations from whatever. And I will always cherish all my moments with Alyssa and her being the catalyst that got me to know about the circle and her allowing me on her show. I had just wrapped up a whole year doing the CW. I used to be a pop culture personality for the CW and it was just boom, 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 boom. So many booms all lining up and I saw her recently because both of us were the grand marshals at this year's gay parade and uh, we're sitting together on a car waving at all the people out there. And I remember just looking at her and I said, thank you for everything. You really are an angel in my life. You changed my life. And she's just everything. I will always cherish her. Actually, I have um, a poster of her on top of my bed, a poster of her and I. We were on the cover of the Dallas Voice, which is the big gay newspaper here in Dallas. And I said, look at this. What a full circle moment. Me and Alyssa on the cover of the, the gay newspaper. Whoa. How did this Amazing. happen? It's so wild. And I think all queer people that are loud and proud, just like you and Alyssa and people that are paving <laughs> that way and creating representation, I think it's just so important. So, I mean, if Alyssa ever wants to come on, give me a shout. Hey, <laughs> Alyssa, come on this show, girl. Come on this show. <laughs> Please welcome Alyssa Edwards. Yes. 
I want to just ask you as somebody that is such an advocate for mental health, for anyone struggling, what your advice would be to them right now when they're just feeling defeated by news and they maybe are living in unsafe conditions or a state where rights have been taken away and they're feeling kind of defeated. What is your like motivational pep talk for them to get through the next little bit? There is always hope, kids. And I know that sounds cheese, Louise, but there is hope. If I can make it through such dark fucking times where nothing made sense, where there was no light in my spirit, where I thought about ending it, that's how low I got. If I can go from that to here in that span of many years and still be alive that long, let that give you hope that your brain can change. Spiritually, the brain can change. Talks about that, the renewing of the mind in the New Testament. But if you were going to put that aside for a moment, science says the brain can change too. Neuroplasticity. You can rewire what you're thinking. You can edit your mind. You can focus on one thing and, and feed that thing and it will grow in the mind. There is a famous neuroscientist that I follow named Dr. Caroline Lee. And I know Jonathan Van Ness did an interview with her recently, but I've been following her for many years. And this woman talks about that the human brain was literally just programmed for love. And when we walk out of love and we start giving into depressive thoughts or, de or anxious thoughts and stuff, that it's doing something to the brain physically. And so YouTube her, Dr. Caroline Lee, she'll blow you away with what she teaches. She shows you examples of it. So yeah, spirituality is on your side and science is on your side. The brain can change and you can get through this in your mind because the battlefield's always the mind and you will win the battle, trust me. I'm here to show you, you can get through it. Take deep breaths. And there's so many outlets out there. If you need medication to help you cope in the moment while you're trying to sort yourself out, honey, do that. But also remind yourself that the battle, because it's in the mind, it's a spiritual thing. And now go seek out spirituality. <laughs> and watch miracles happen, honey. Things will change. It's a, it's a very powerful thing. And also, if every single person that has ever been out in the public eye, for the most part, honey, they're still here unless they've already gone on to glory. If they can get through whatever they've gone through in their careers in life, you're going to make it through whatever you're going through. If Brittany can make it through 2008 and 2009, you're going to be all right, too. Let that be an example. I love that. And I love that um, the mind is the battlefield because it is for a lot of queer people. It's the mind is one of like the biggest battles of our life. And spirituality was something that definitely has helped my life and my healing process. So I agree with everything. And if I can, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, really quickly, if I, if I can, Courtney, remember, kid, opinions are not facts. That is such a powerful statement. If some bullshit ass bitch out there tells you something or insults you, remember, opinions are not facts. Don't believe it. You don't have to because it ain't a fact. You know what's true. You know what's true. hundred <laughs> percent. And. Other people's opinions of us are also not our business. That was something that I took away from a quote it somewhere that when I, first, <laughs> yeah, when I first started doing articles and having more public appearance, I was getting really wrapped up into what some people were saying. And I was getting just like in my head about a lot of things and my appearance. And it was somebody said it to me or I found it somewhere and it was just other people's opinion of you is not your business. And I was like, fucking rights. It's not. Okay, never mind. I'm good. It's very true. And I think a long time ago, Madonna once said, keep your blinders up. You know how horses wear those little blinders on their side mm. to keep them looking straight? She goes, keep your blinders up. All the opinions and all the chatter, just let that shit go. You stay focused on your trajectory, where you're going, what you want to do. And all this shit is for the birds, okay? Totally. Eye on the prize. That's it. So to wrap us up, I have a quick game. Uh, that I wanted to play with you. You're my first game, actually. I haven't played with anyone else, but because you love food so much, it's kind of like yeah. a what would you rather with food? And it's just going to be like quick and rapid fire of basically what Chris Sapphire would rather put in his mouth. 
Oh. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Yay. Okay. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Spaghetti bolognese or mac and cheese? Hey. Spaghetti? Really? That's spaghetti so me. good. Oh I my know. Gosh. I'm a bolognese whore, but I'm, I'm surprised by you because I always see mac and cheese. But um, grilled cheese or clubhouse? Grilled cheese. Steak or grilled chicken? Grilled chicken. Chips or popcorn? <laughs> Chips. Oh, like my God. Sophie's choice. Oh, God, that was hard. Caesar salad or Cobb salad? Cobb salad. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. Fried rice or risotto? Fried rice. Fuck yeah. Milkshake or bubble tea? Milkshake. Bacon or breakfast sausage? Bacon. Oh, <laughs> French fries or mashed potatoes? Oh, French fries. Ooh, God, these are hard. <laughs> Shoe bomb or Joey? Oh, Lord. I love them both with all my heart. I'm going to, I'm, Shuby, I love you. I'm going to say Joey because he saved my ass from getting eliminated on the circle. <laughs> I would not be sitting here if it wasn't for Joey. I love them both with all my heart. It's <laughs> a fair answer. They're honestly, they're both such incredible individuals. They're absolutely yes. amazing. As are you. And thank you so much thank for this. You. Honestly, so much fun and such important conversations to be having out there in the world right now, especially for young listeners. And I think that anybody that was struggling with their religion will find a lot of resource in this. So... Thanks for sharing and thank you for coming. No, thank you for having me. And you guys stay strong. It will get better. Trust and believe tomorrow's a brand new day. And sometimes you just got to sleep, honey. Sleep it off. Tomorrow will be a brand new day. You never know. You may win the lottery. (laughs) Right? That would be awesome. I'll take that. Yes. Thank you, guys. Well, friends, that wraps up today's episode of The Braveyard. I hope that you had an incredible time. Chris is just such a wonderful human. I really can't say enough good things about him. Just being able to sit down and chat with him. You feel like a better version of yourself coming off of that. Next week, we have another incredible guest. The lead singer of the Canadian rock band, The Clicks, Lucas Silvera, will be in the house. I'm really excited to deep dive into this conversation with you guys and share a lot of the perspective that he's brought around mental health, trans stigma, and his experience in the music career and a very public transition. One last thank you to Chris Sapphire for coming on, and I can't wait to see you next week with Lucas Silvera at The Braveyard. <laughs>